Welcome to the Golden Nuggets of Real Estate Investing, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through real estate. We'll be discussing the most important lessons or better known as the Golden Nuggets of Real Estate Investing, entrepreneurship, and personal finance with new and experienced investors to help you get into real estate investing or scale up your portfolio. So make sure to tune in. What's going on, everyone? It's Ross Nadai, host of the Golden Nuggets podcast. Welcome to episode four. Today, I'll be joined by my special guest, Francois Lantier, a real estate investor out of Ottawa, Ontario, investing all over North America. He's a recent retiree who used real estate as a vehicle to achieve financial freedom and quit his nine to five job. He's an investor who does not let distance be an obstacle and currently owns a portfolio of 20 units in Ottawa, Moncton, New Brunswick, Cornwall, Ontario, and now across the border in Detroit. Francois shares the golden nuggets of how he assesses different markets, how he finds good pockets to invest in, and how he is currently doing perfect burrs in the Detroit market, which is basically allowing him to accumulate free properties. So you want to make sure to tune in. With that being said, please help me reach as many eyes and ears as possible by sharing this podcast on your Instagram and Facebook stories and tagging me. I'll return the favor and give you a shout out. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave me a five-star review. If you're watching on YouTube, leave me a comment, like, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so that you can stay up to date on the most recent episodes. It costs you absolutely nothing, and it will greatly help me create more content and have more amazing guests on the show for you. Thank you so much for your support. I truly appreciate it. Please enjoy episode four with Francois Lantier. Welcome to the Golden Nuggets podcast. My name is Ross. I'm your host. And today I'm joined here by Francois, who's going to take over the world, basically. He's an uh, investor. He's looking at potentially even investing now in Europe and has properties all over North America. He has recently also retired, which is a fantastic avenue, which we all strive for. So we're going to get into the nitty and gritty of how he got into real estate investing, what are some of his successes, and I would also like to focus on some of the potential failures and how real estate has impacted his life. So without further ado, Francois, please go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and where are you at right now? Yes, thank you so much for having me. Uh, So yeah, tell a little bit about myself. It's always uh, tricky to talk about yourself. I'm not a, I don't like to boast or brag, but uh, I've been investing in real estate kind of off and on for now 15 years but much more seriously, five years, and then really intensely in the past year and a half. So I have been doing what I called slow flips. So my wife and I and the kids eventually joined us in buying houses and fixing them, living through the renovation, and then selling the house, and then building some capital. And then the one property we ended up selling at some point, we had a huge penalty on the mortgage. And anyway, I found out, hey, you could buy another place and recoup that penalty. So that's how I got into investing more seriously. So I bought a condo and my mom was my first tenant. So I tell people about that story. Don't don't get your mom as a tenant. (laughs) She'll call you to shovel the driveway and do everything. And there's a little scratch in the cupboard here. And anyway, it's a lot of fun. So Good tenants, yes, she paid, but she was also very, uh, very demanding. <laughs> Hopefully, she's not listening to this, but I love you, mom, anyway. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, so how far back? I mean, eventually I got into duplexes and multifamily, then a larger and larger. Um, I don't have huge blocks or anything yet. That's uh, like a future plan, but for now, it's more multifamily. I don't do single family houses in Canada. I am doing that in the States right now. And again, maybe Europe in the future. So That's incredible. Uh, what I wanted to ask you again, Francois, well, you did touch upon this uh, briefly. You said, you know, you've been investing for about 16 years. So one of the things that, you know, we all experience every single day is your spouse. Your spouse is a huge factor in, oh, your, yes. in, your, in your life and you guys have to be on the same page. And then in your case, since you do have kids, it's a, little, it's a bit of a work for them too, to move around and go from, you know, essentially home, house to house. So how are you able to manage that relationship with the family and then kind of uh, get there, uh, you know, go ahead with, with this type of project? Was that something, you know, you guys discussed or was it kind of just 
you know, you decided to go? Like, what were some of the impacts that had in your in your family? Um, so when the kids were younger, we didn't really ask them. We kind of just told them. Right. <laughs> we're leaving. The house is sold. Bye. Tell your friends goodbye. That was kind of mean. Now we do involve <laughs> them quite a bit more. Right. Uh, but for my wife, she's a hundred percent on board. It's actually kind of her idea. So she's the one who kind of she's behind the scenes, but um, she's the one pushing. Hey, why don't we look at this? Why don't we look at that? And she's always sending me properties and things, and and then yeah, pushing me to to look at things. Uh, Moncton and the US that did kind of scare her because it's far she's like mm -hmm. oh I can't get there within an hour or two um, but I convinced her I showed her the numbers and she's more the numbers person in our couple so I find you complete each other it's like you and, and your wife I think you mentioned so yeah. I'm sure one has certain strengths and you have other strengths and you complete each other so but you have to be on the same page because yeah it can spiral out of control Right. And it's, I mean, it's, it's higher risk and it's sometimes a lot of stress as well. Like today we were, um, yeah, we're close. Like I said, I got the papers for the, the duplex and things that we're buying that the higher end property. And then she was stressed out all day. I'm like super relaxed and don't worry. It's all good. <laughs> and then sometimes it's the opposite. I'm stressed out. I'm like, I don't know about this appraisal. And she's like, Oh, don't worry. It's going to come through. So yeah, it's important to be a, a team. And then, yeah, kids, having them on board, they're awesome at removing old carpet. If you buy properties and you get kids, it's worth it. <laughs> Child labor, it's really good. You do pay them, so I pay them. My kids have a timesheet and, and they get paid for different things they do at properties. So when they're local um, and I show them how we analyze deals and I'm hoping to, to teach both of them how to buy properties and raise capital and go through the whole process. So definitely, definitely. Yeah. I mean, if we can go back in time and if we knew what we knew today, oh, what man. it would be, right? <laughs> yeah. And the sad thing is my parents were investors. They owned a hotel when I was a kid and they both worked full time. But they never showed me that part, like how to raise funds. And they kind of briefly mentioned it, but never as open. Now I show that my kids the books and how things how much things cost and and all of that stuff so they even tell their friends now and when they see us with like a listing they roll their eyes no not another place <laughs> <laughs> but they understand the purpose behind it so wow incredible so the way you, you started your journey as you mentioned it was it was primary residence and then you went to the uh more the flipping model and then you got into multifamily is that kind of like the pathway into real estate yeah, exactly. So the first house I bought was a 1971 special and it had a blue uh, robin's egg, blue tub, toilet and sink. And for some reason, the owners had painted a lot of stuff hot pink, like the railing and everything was very dated. So we moved into that house with the young kids and we just improved it and it got went up in value. And then we bought another one that was kind of dated and we fixed it. And at that time, we were accumulating a bit of of capital that we were able to use to buy other properties. So yeah, that's it. So a flip, but like a live in flip. Mm -hmm. So two years. So there's no carrying costs because you live in the house. So it's good for beginners. I mean, I was much younger then. And like I said, 15, 16 years ago now, actually. So yeah, with young kids and, and then multifamily. So duplexes, triplex fiveplex and then i i haven't gone up above five units yet i did make an offer a few days ago on a portfolio 22 doors seven buildings but i didn't get it yet so i need to work on that strategy that's so awesome so tell us a little bit about how i guess you you are building this portfolio are you i know for a lot of us what would the, the common uh, you know issue is that we kind of run out of capital right so are you uh, going on these deals by you, by yourself, or do you are you partnering with others in a GJV matter? Like, how are you doing that right now, Francois? Yeah, so we do some joint ventures. So when it's when it's good, or uh, when I feel a project is interesting for like a learning possibility, I love learning. My dad was a teacher, so I guess he taught me well. And I, I when I see like an opportunity to teach someone something, I do like a joint venture partner and the capital for for sure and borrowing. 
but I also have a lot of private lenders, so I can borrow the down payment or or some cash to, to do renovations, things like that. So I do own quite a few properties by myself and then some joint ventures because it's just nice. It's more enjoyable. Uh, you get to meet people and learn from them and they learn from you as well. So that's kind of how I finance my deals. Beautiful. And then in, in terms of your portfolio, how many doors are I get right now? How many units? Uh, units, so we're at 17. So it's not enormous, uh, but like I said, I almost added 22 of them. <laughs> <laughs> over <Wow>. the holidays <laughs> uh, and I, I have three three more uh, yeah three more doors under contract so another one is a it's a duplex but it's a high-end duplex I'm trying something different usually I buy something that's more average but this is huge each apartment is 2300 square feet so it's oh. very big and it's quite nice so uh, we'll see uh, the financing I got my letter today so it looks like it's good to go and the second one is a single family house in Detroit, Michigan. So that's a new adventure. Um, I don't focus on a number of doors. It's more what will bring me uh, freedom and like long-term wealth. So it's not really a number of doors. People ask me, how many do you want? I don't want that many, actually. I want enough that I'm able to retire, which I've done. My wife can quit her job at some point. And then I want enough that my kids don't have to work a day in their lives at some point. They can choose to work, but they don't have to. So that's my Beautiful. goal. Yeah. So that comes to, I guess, that you kind of already covered it, but essentially, what is your why? Like, is it just financial freedom, which it seems like you've kind of already reached that point? Or, or I guess, and are you still growing? Sounds like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I want to grow. I want to help others do the same. I'm always saddened when I see, like, especially right now with COVID. Uh, business owners struggling because their business, uh, the sales are down, of course, like if you own a restaurant or something and you're struggling and you have a young family. So I want to show them how they can build passive income and become financially independent. And then they can still do what they enjoy. I mean, if you have a restaurant, uh, you must love, hopefully you love cooking or you love wine, you love something about it. So you can still do it when it's feasible, but you don't rely on that income to survive. So yeah, that's one of my, my, my strong whys to help other people. And in my own family, of course, that comes first, but <laughs> all the yeah. others as well. So I want to help people grow. And so uh, based on what you've mentioned so far to me, what are some of the strategies that you've used to kind of accumulate and get to the, to the point of retirement? Yeah. So uh, like I mentioned, it's, it's slow incremental. I mean, the bird strategy is amazing. It doesn't apply everywhere and in all markets and mm -hmm. it's becoming tougher now with like the increase in, in price for uh, like properties. You're in the GTA, you know all about it. Oh yeah. So Ottawa, same thing. Uh, I've invested in Cornwall, Ontario. So a small city outside, it's about an hour east of Ottawa. So almost in Quebec and there as well, appreciation is insane. So that's, that was a good city for the Burr model, but now it depends. It's getting harder. You need a, a solid team. Um, so I like actually just buying and holding. Very plain. I buy the place, fix it up a bit, increase the rent, get good tenants, and kind of wait for appreciation to do its thing. I know a lot of people are in a rush to, to refinance and pull out all the money and run to the next deal. But I don't know. I see something good about slower sometimes is better. And for me, actually, slower was actually nine months instead of five years. It's not that slow. <laughs> but anyway, it was enough. Like I, I made a calculation with my wife. How much money do we need? And that was our number. And then I'm like, okay, I quit. That's it. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, I can't wait to get to that point in one day. <laughs> Hopefully yeah. soon. Well, it depends, I mean, on your living expenses, things like that. And that's something I was just reflecting upon at, at dinner with the kids they, my daughter asked me, what's your 10 most important things? I'm like, well, really, I only have three items. I can't even fill that list because I, I'm not attached. Like, do I need the fancy car or the fancy house or the latest clothes? No, I don't care, really. It's all material stuff. It's more the relationships, the time, the time to reflect on what really matters. So, yeah, that's my philosophy anyway. And drink a lot of wine. So. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be so, able to afford wine. That one's kind of essential. <laughs> <laughs>
So that's fantastic. And yeah, so you're getting to like basically the the mindset. That's the, that was kind of like where I was leaning towards, which yeah. is a perfect segue, right? Because you know everybody's different, right? There are folks that are you know if you, you there why maybe I want a luxurious house, I want a beachfront property, uh, you know, I want X amount of cars. So everybody's different, right? But oh yeah, uh, and it's all good. It's it works. And I used to be like that. I I wanted the big place and the big car, but. Then eventually I got my car scratched and then I'm like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Exactly. Yeah. And, and funny enough, I'm not sure if you read one of the, the, the books that I've been reading right now. It's, uh, it's called Early Retirement Extreme. And no, it's, I, I highly recommend it. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's not uh, an easy read. So I'll give you a little bit of warning. It's kind of like written like a textbook kind of style. Oh, wow. However, it does talk about pretty much what we're talking about, kind of, you know, being uh, frugal, understanding that, you know, how society works, you know, how we've evolved over time to, um, you know, your houses are getting bigger and so is our mortgages, right? Yeah. The whole, the whole idea of, you know, keeping up with the Joneses and um, not really living your means to be and uh, comfortable. So to your example, someone could retire with say $50,000 a, a year salary versus somebody who needs 5 million, right? It's well, that's it. That's going to take much longer at 5 million. I would still be working. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what I'm sure. saying. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it's it, that freedom right now, maybe will, well, not maybe it, it is granting me the space to attract more money, much more. It's incredible. Since I quit my job, I've had like multiple job offers. I'm like, no, is there a schedule involved? Then I'm not interested. Do I have to <laughs> obey to a boss? Forget it. I'm not interested. So it's, it's that freedom. And now I'm able to look at things differently and find solutions that I didn't have the time as an employee to, to like, I'd come home and then rush to this and that. So it's just that vision is totally changed. It's yeah, it's a whole new world. And yeah. So where did you work uh, before uh, Francois, before you retired? So that's also why it was so easy for me to, to kind of quit, but I've had many, many jobs. I think I changed jobs every year. I was always headhunted. Um, I was actually in a retirement home. I was in charge of leasing. So you can imagine with COVID, leasing was not very popular for retirement homes. People um, chose to stay home. And yeah, but before that, I did marketing and sales. So I sold all kinds of things and interior design. So that's how I met my wife. And that's why we kind of love real estate, we like the design aspect of things. and renovating looking at floor plans and efficiency and um environmental like energy conservation things like that that's something i really enjoy as well yeah that does that's, that's phenomenal so like i guess i know you kind of touched up on this already like in terms of you know you started kind of like you know starting a step at a time and into building a portfolio but what, what, what was the light bulb that hit to say, you know what, I can make a business out of this, this can actually lead me to retirement, like what changed? Was it like, um, you know, did, did you speak to somebody? Did you listen to some books that kind of encouraged you or what changed in your mindset that got you into that field? So, like I said, we were doing the slow flips, then the condo that my mom lived in, then we bought a duplex. And then uh, we bought a second duplex. And then we hit the financing wall. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of as much as we were able to finance. And then the mortgage broker we were working with, she's like, hey, have you ever thought of doing joint ventures or like creative financing? I'm like, no, normally I save up the deposit. I go to the bank and then do I qualify? And then I just keep buying. So that just opened up our mind. And I started doing some research and I found uh, some amazing real estate investor groups. And I did some networking and I met the co-founders of the Wright Club from Burlington. So Daniel Saint-Jean, um, he actually used to live in Ottawa where I live. And I sent him a message. I'm like, oh, he's not going to reply. Like he's probably some big shot. And actually <laughs> he offered to come and meet with me in person. So we met and then he taught me all kinds of things. And then I started listening to podcasts and yeah, it just opened up my mind to, um, all these things. And I was working for a builder at that time. So I was hearing my boss telling me about these deals. Oh, I bought this tower and I borrowed $38 million and I bought this. And I'm like, how are you doing all this? This is, this is crazy. I, but I could do the same. So yeah. <laughs> eventually I just learned and that's it. I also joined the mentoring program uh, with investor Mel and Dave. 
So you probably heard about them and yep. that was really helpful to, to change the mindset and, and grow. That's awesome. That's awesome. So as, as you can see, you know, you took, uh, you know, advantage of having a great network, you expanded, you reached out, you got mentors in place, you got basically coached to help yeah. yourself develop and, and, you know, grow your mindset. And that's all it is. You know, um, as much as we like to invest in real estate, we tend to forget to invest in ourselves. I think that's number oh. one. It's so important. Yeah, because right now I could lose everything. I mean, it would suck, but I wouldn't lose my knowledge and my network. Hopefully, unless I say something really bad, then I could lose all my network. <laughs> but, but I would still know the principle and maybe get a, a new name and a, I don't know, a new haircut or something and <laughs> start over. So, um, but yeah, you can't lose that knowledge. So yeah, and that again goes back to my my dad who was a teacher. So learning is something that's with you for life. So investing in the right mentors and the right network is is very important. Absolutely, absolutely. all along. So, yeah, so I'm I'm so curious because you, you mentioned you know you're investing pretty much everywhere. So usually what uh, what we tend to do is we tend to pick a certain market, you know, do a research, we try to build a power team around it, and then we execute, right? So how are you able to, you know, go from, I guess, city to city or, you know, even province to province or now, let's say, countries? Because uh, <laughs> that's quite a bit of, you know, network that you need and, and then the kind of information that you need to build beforehand. So can you walk us through, like, how are you able to manage all that? Yeah, I'm a bit a hyperactive person, so... <laughs> I get bored easily. I'm like, oh, investing in Ottawa. I made offers. I got a few places. And then, then it became hard. So I started looking elsewhere. I did the market fundamentals. That was good. We did it for a while. We got the power team. Then I got bored again. I'm like, oh, this it's always the same product. You get to know who are the builders in that city and who built what, when. And it, it all looks the same. So, And the laws, too. I mean, staying within Ontario... It's, it's great, you know the laws, but then it's a nice challenge. You, there's different laws, different opportunities in other provinces. Uh, so like New Brunswick or Alberta or Saskatchewan, they have much more uh, landlord-friendly laws, which is something I, I really enjoy. <laughs> so I do believe tenants do need protection. There is a, a need and that's, it's kind of lacking in Ontario. Tenants are overly protected, but also in a bad way. So if something goes wrong, if you have a slumlord, you're also not really being protected. It's, it's very strange. So it's a poor setup. So that kind of attracted me to look at other places, uh, like in the United States as well. Some states, the laws are very different. Um, but yeah, it needs, yeah, it's a lot of networking. My wife tells me, okay, slow down. I don't want to look at this place and a new <laughs> city, new town. It's another power team, uh, a new bunch of people we need to know and laws, but it's, it comes with opportunities as well. But yeah, be careful not to be too scattered. And I just find some markets are kind of tapped out. So I keep looking for other avenues. Yeah. And how I guess, again, one of the other challenges or other fears that a lot of investors have is, you know, kind of being able to do it remote or distant, yeah. right? I mean, for you, if you're in Ottawa and you're, uh, you know, expanding into Detroit, that's quite a miles away, right? So how did yes. you get over that hump? Uh, well, just, um, I don't know, we've moved around a lot. So with the slow flips and stuff, we actually moved to many cities. My kids now are, it's kind of bad for them, but they've, I don't know how many schools they've been in. <laughs> People <laughs> ask us if we're military. I'm like, no, just maybe some crazy parents that move for fun. Um, yeah, getting over that. I mean, it's like anything. You, I don't believe in fear. What's the worst thing that could happen in anything? I, I guess I could die, but I'm not even afraid of that. So, um, yeah. So just because of my belief. So if I'm not going to die and I'm not really afraid of dying, then what's the worst that could happen? The building could burn down and it's gone and I lost it. Well, is that going to kill me or kill anyone or even slow me down maybe it's actually going to speed me up maybe i'll get an insurance money and start over with more money than i had or i look at what what are the risk factors and yeah i don't know i'm just a creative person so it doesn't scare me and I'm not sure like it's taking action as well and asking questions and then doing things you don't do crazy stuff but i mean calculated risk and find out about like the market fundamentals, things like that. 
Uh, Detroit as well, like if you invest there, be very careful. <laughs> there's some really, really scary areas, um, but there's some good spots too. So it's like anywhere, like Toronto, there's some areas that are like Jane and Finch. I remember that was not a good spot. Uh, Scarborough for quite a while as well was quite scary. Uh, even Ottawa, there's Vanier. It's an uh, investor hotspot right now, but for many years, it was quite scary. So yeah, it's just getting over that fear and making sure you inquire and get all the information you need. Right, perfect. And then I guess, what are some of your criteria? Are you mainly going after cash flow when you are looking for the, these markets or what are you, what are you after? Uh, cash flow, yes. Some appreciation. I don't, I actually don't like it when there's too much appreciation because it's like speculation. It's kind of scary. Um, I prefer secondary markets as well. That's my, my personal preference because I find your buying power is better and the purchase price versus the rental price is better. So if you pay like the 1% rule, you can actually achieve it in quite a few markets, actually 2 or 3% rule in some markets. So again, that's cash flow, but you need some appreciation as well. So if it's completely flat, that's also scary because it's like inflation. Uh, if you don't even have inflation and things are going up and your property is not going up in value, then you're actually kind of losing money. So it's a yeah. balanced approach. Uh, I also find, I usually set out like a price per door and a certain rent. I do some market research and I, I want to be able to buy a place that can command a certain rent role and then I'm good with it. And lenders as well, you talk to them. And they'll tell you there's some markets they don't like lending into. So that, that's also very telling. If it's harder to, to get a mortgage in some spots, uh, maybe there's something wrong about that market. Right, right. Um, and then these deals that you're finding, uh, Francois, are, are they off-market or are they on MLS? Like how are you getting these deals? Uh, for me, it's been all uh, MLS. <laughs> so I've tried off-market, but it hasn't worked for me um, I found the prices were just a bit lower, but not enough to justify the extra work the places needed. So yeah, I have yet to find an off-market deal. I'm, I'm open to it. So if there's wholesalers listening, I'm, I'm interested, but I haven't found one. Unless I moved in personally, it just the gap wasn't big enough to, to make it worth the, uh, the price difference and and usually like closing is shorter and it makes it harder. Like if you want to put a mortgage, you have to buy cash. So it's more cash intensive. That's the experience I've had so far. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. It, depending on the market, I know for, for instance, uh, St. Catharines is getting extremely hot. Um, yeah. I know, uh, even London, London, Ontario is just booming like no tomorrow. Right. So there's a ton of competition, lots of wholesaling uh, MLS listings are going over 20%. Yeah. To your point, I know they're not sustainable. Yeah, I don't think you can, you know, go 20% no. a year. Uh, but it's interesting how COVID had the opposite effect. Everybody was expecting a crash. Meanwhile, the complete opposite. Exactly, exactly. So um, to your point, yeah, it is It is a lot of speculation when you look at depreciation value. Uh, but there, as long as the fundamentals exist there, I think you're, you're pretty much fine, right? So, yeah. um, for instance, I can just talk a little bit briefly about what's happening in our condo market in Toronto. So. We are seeing a quite bit of uh, uh, rents, uh, rental units available. And the reason for that is because lots of these folks used to do Airbnb and short-term rentals, which they cannot do anymore because uh, yeah. there's nothing going on in the city, right? Everything's no. closed, <laughs> right? So you're seeing a uh, you know, ton of volume of these units coming on, on the market. And some are now, after a few months you know, listed, they decide, you know what, I'm going to just get rid of this. I'm going to sell it. So for somebody, like you said, who can see the, the, the long-term effects of it, Eventually, we know things are going to go back to normal and it's downtown. It's going to go back up. But yeah. for some, they, you know, they don't want to take chance or they can't uh, carry the holding costs and they just want to get rid of it. So we are seeing a bit of a, a buyer's market for first time in a very long time. Yeah, in, in the, it's been a while. Region. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's pretty crazy how the it has a cycle effect and it just goes up and down. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember Toronto in 2000, like you could get a condo for like a hundred and something 
150, 190, 190,000. Like now you get a parking space for that. So <laughs> yeah, even fairly close to downtown. So I mean, that's 21 years ago, but still yeah. it used to be way cheaper. Like London, Ontario, you could get a townhouse for 70,000. Wow. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> I remember that. I wish I had cash back then and the knowledge I have now. I mean, wow, I'd be worth millions. But anyway, right. that's how it goes. Absolutely, yes. It's just like they say, you know, what? when is the best time to invest? Yesterday. Now. Well, yesterday, <laughs> but it's now as now. And it's, yeah, there's there's some challenges, but the interest rates are low. Mm-hmm. So the purchase price is higher, but the interest rate is low. And my parents told me about their first house in 1976. They were paying 24% interest. Wow. And they had yeah. three mortgages back then and it was in scarborough they paid sixty nine thousand for a detached house with a garage and everything now it's probably well over a million dollars and easily anyway. right. yeah. yeah and back then it was like a nasty place <laughs> they were quite sad three mortgages 20 24 yeah so it's like a credit card put it on mastercard <laughs> Yeah, no, lots of change. And that's what it is. I think, uh, you know, whenever we, we are going to a market, typically you're going to find, um, you know, the lower prices are areas that are not necessarily the best areas. But as we know, if it, you know, over the years, it's going to gentrify. So things are going to change. It's just a matter of, you know, your calculated risk, like you said, as a yeah. cash flow, can I get good tenants in? Even if it's, I'm not going to say the complete roughest area in the uh, in the market, but if it's, Somewhere in between, close to work, close to job. I think you could potentially make it work. Oh, given yeah. the fact you do the right renovations and you get the right tenants in place. Yes. Yeah, it's important the tenant mix. That's something I always uh, take more time to really choose the right tenants, especially if it's a smaller multifamily, like a duplex, because they really get to see each other. So if they don't blend well, then that's not a good mix. And it's, that's a, a big mistake that can happen easily. And so how are you managing these self-managed right now? Or do you have property managers? Because again, it's like, it sounds like it's scattered everywhere, right? So are you, yeah. how, how involved are you, let's say, in terms of management? So the more local ones within a hundred kilometer radius, I self-manage. So I, I have a good relationship with my tenants and they call me or they let me know, okay, there's something going on. And I just send off people like plumbers or or a handyman or someone to look after things. And I, I visit once in a while. Out of province, for sure, I have property management. There's no way I, well, especially right now with COVID, I, right. yeah, I can't even go. So um, yeah, property management and Detroit as well. I mean, it's a different country. There's mm-hmm. different laws and, and rules. So yeah, it's going to be property management as well. But you have to manage property management. So that's something else that's uh, an added layer. But the scale, you do need uh, to delegate. So it's an important step in delegating. And for some of my properties, I'm a, a bit of a control freak. So it's good that they're th- that far. I had to delegate. There's no way I can be there. So it, it's been a, a good challenge for me <laughs> to delegate. <laughs> yeah, I know for sure. Um, yeah, if you don't mind me asking a couple of things, because I know you have properties and you mentioned Cornwall, you have some in Moncton. New Brunswick, and then now you're looking at Detroit. What are some of the good things about those markets? If you can just give us a quick overview. So what did you see in Cornwall, for instance, that got you investing there or Moncton? And then we can focus on Detroit last. So Cornwall, my first duplex, I paid $110,000. So two two units. I mean, the rents are much lower, but I was able to command more than the 1% rule with that very small investment of $110,000. And the house was fully renovated. I only put in, I think, yeah, new hot water tanks and a few electrical repairs and that's it. So very cheap entry price point. And that property, it's not the cash flow. I mean, the rents are really small and uh, it's more the refinancing possibility because as it went up in value, I was able to get a line of credit, a secured one, and an unsecured line of credit with that one single property and refinance it. And then I used that money and bought my second one and then the same thing, third, fourth, and then so on and so forth. So that's what was appealing about Cornwall. And also it's an hour drive from where I live. So I was able to go and look after things. 
but it's also far enough that the tenants are not coming knocking on my door. So <laughs> that was something I was concerned about. Yeah. Um, but I did buy in Ottawa as well. There's, I have a place, uh, I think it's not even two kilometers from my house and nice. the tenants don't come. So it's just a, a silly, silly thing. They do call or send me a text message when there's something, um, but that's it. Uh, Cornwall, yeah, it's seen a ton of appreciation. So I've been trying to buy more, but it's just, yeah, I'm being priced out of the market. You can't get enough rent for the price you pay. Um, and then in Ontario, as you know, that you can't increase the rent this year and it's very hard. There's lots of rent control. So it's hard to make the property cash flow. So that's what brought me to Moncton. So Moncton, what I like is the New Brunswick laws. Um, it's more landlord friendly. You can increase rent. There's no rent control. There are some rules. I mean, the tenants are somewhat protected, uh, but you can do a lot more than in Ontario. And actually, that also allows me to fix the place. So a lot of places in Ontario, let's say you buy it and the rent is really low and you need to repair stuff and you're not cash flowing, then you can't fix things. So I think that's what's happening is a lot of people become slumlords because they can't afford it anymore. So New Brunswick, I, I usually have an agreement with my tenants, even though I have property management. Hey, I'm going to fix the door, change this, change that, put in new floors. Do you want to stay? But here's the new rent. And then the people say, hey, yeah, that's perfect. That's what I was waiting for. Actually, one of my tenants thanked me. She's like, can you change the windows? It's been, I've been heating the outdoors for years and I'm willing to pay more. I'm like, sure, I'll invest and you invest. So it's, it's teamwork. I mean, that's how it goes. I can't just throw in money and, and then you pay nothing. So yeah, that's how I see it. That's awesome. I mean, that's how it's supposed to be, right? I mean, there has been a, a two-way street, right? So yeah, you're putting reasonable. in the effort. Exactly. You want to see some return on your investment. And then again, you make it a more livable, lively place for, for the tenants. So, so definitely a win-win situation. Uh, so that's great. Yeah, because I've heard great things about uh, Moncton, New Brunswick, for sure, uh, as well as the East Coast, other other uh, provinces. I think even PEI apparently is, is doing. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's good. It's a bit harder to get in smaller, much smaller community. And then Nova Scotia now they just introduced rent control and different things. So, yeah, I'm staying away from that. I'll just stay in Ontario if I want rent control. There's tons here. So right, right. <laughs> and then at Detroit. Kind of similar idea, but what's nice about Detroit is you can do the burr model. You can do a perfect burr. So you can buy a place that's really run down and there's some good renovation teams. So you can work with them and you can get a place fully redone for much less than in Canada. And then you can refinance. You get like a huge uh, increase in value and that's a forced appreciation and and then Section 8 housing, which is uh, government subsidized. But it's not like in Canada. So those people actually work. Oftentimes they have a job. They just can't make ends meet or fully pay for everything. So they get a government grant or voucher just for the rental portion. And they have to maintain the place. There are certain standards to maintain their voucher. So they're a really good program. We should look into that. For sure. Um, and so the Detroit market, let's take, dig a little bit deeper. Are you, are you focusing flips or primarily is it just a burr model where you're holding on to those properties for now? Yeah, holding on. So I'm, I'm getting free properties. So I'm, I'm buying them cash. Right. And then I'm refinancing all my money out and then buying another one and another one. And then once you have a U.S. corporation, you can mm -hmm. get American credit and you can start borrowing and, and earning more money. So it's. Yeah, yeah really I'm, nice. I'm curious. How does the financing work? As a you know, as a Canadian living here, I'm I'm sure there's I know there's there's tax treaties and so forth on the tax side. But in terms of the banks, I mean, when you do go and say, hey, "I got a property locked in," here's the address. to look U.S. <laughs> Don't they give you yeah. a, like a, a weird look? Or are they saying, "Oh yeah, that's fine." <laughs> yeah, it's it's fine if especially Detroit because it's right on the border. That's why it shows Detroit to, for my first U.S. investment. Eventually, I'll want to go probably to Florida and Texas and other, and other good states, um, but like for investments. Mm -hmm. um, but Detroit, yeah, they're used to it. And there's ac actually BMO. So BMO Harris, which is the American version of BMO, 
is there and it's they have a whole system set up for canadians wow. investing in the us uh, as long as you get your um social security number through the irs so you need a an lp and an, an llc so two corporations and then anyway it, my lawyer is looking after all that so <laughs> yeah. i don't understand the whole thing well i i do but it's it's long and convoluted but right anyway there's a lot of um advantages and also i do want some us funds because i want to invest in curacao so out there it's a beautiful island everything's paid in american dollars so if i earn some american income then i can use it there and anyway it's a, there's a bigger plan behind this and also dominican republic a lot of places you can buy in us dollars so right. that's the opportunity i'm seeing long term and the free houses who says no to free free properties so that's incredible would, would you mind sharing i guess one of the the uh, most recent projects you handled there in detroit kind of just high level uh, numbers so it's not closed yet so okay, it's coming okay. i'm closing yeah. on february 15th right and um yeah so numbers um so i'm working with a team of canadians that's what they do and they source the properties they buy a bunch of them at once and then they come up to like me or an investor and then they can offer a property so the one i'm buying i'm paying 149k and after repairs cuz they sell it to you turnkey like fully renovated right it's worth 210 or more so i already have a 60,000 um built in equity 60 to 70 and then i can refinance 70 or i think even up to 80% loan to value which would be all my money back incredible except wow. maybe like closing costs but i mean that's that's minimal and yeah and then i just rinse and repeat and that's it the do like another thing i was going to say was like you know these properties that you're seeing in um in detroit like i guess what is the, the typical cash flow you're looking at by the way so it's not extremely high cuz let's say you um sorry once you leverage and refinance the cash flow you're left with is probably to maybe $300 per month US cuz they're single family. So to me it's okay. enough cuz the place has been got, pretty much gutted like they've almost rebuilt the house. So you're good for 10 15 years before you you really put in like larger amounts of money like there's a new furnace, uh new windows, new bathrooms, new kitchens, new flooring, uh maybe a new roof, uh even the brick like the one I bought even the brickwork is being not redone but repointed or something so i yeah i'm quite confident it's going to be electrical is all redone plumbing uh it's it's almost a new house so yeah so lower cash flow but then that's going to appreciate as well because right, i've right. looked at comparables that have gone up in price as well quite a bit more that's incredible so i'm happy with that otherwise i'd want to buy it cheaper and have a higher cash flow for a bigger contingency fund because the place is a bit older and will need more repairs right right no that's a very good way of analyzing it right so you you're basically saying you know what i can buy essentially a dump do minor <laughs> renovations cosmetic yeah. right and then i'm going to be running into problems for the next 5 years because everything's going to start breaking down versus yeah. going with this model where it's all extensively renovated for you So you know that you're going to have that piece of mind hopefully for the for next 5 to 10 yes. years and uh, you don't have to worry about the major expenses the capex. So are you also for these new models that you're purchasing essentially are you also calculating for capex or is that Yeah. Okay, okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean year 1 I'm really hoping I don't have to put in much, but it can always happen and yeah, you always have to plan for that. So that's why I don't believe in buying cash flow negative because one hot water tank you're out depends is it is it natural gas is it electric that's like could be a thousand could be 1500 is it on demand there's a a million options so mm-hmm. and it depends where it's installed so some older properties maybe it's in a crawl space where no one right. wants to go so they're going to charge you four times the price um or a roof like a fancy some older homes it's got like quite a a high pitch so it costs a lot more. Yeah, I always account for that for sure. But I'm always hopeful as well like you, you can't put too much money aside, but you have to be prepared as well.
Absolutely. And then what are you looking at typically uh, like a single family home in that area? Like how much are they going for? How much are rents? So rents are quite high. Mine is going to be a four bedroom, one and a half bathroom. And rent, I think I was told about 1600 per month, nothing included. So they have to mow their lawn and I don't think they do much shoveling. It doesn't snow very much there, but uh, if there is some, then I guess they can push it aside. It's not like (laughs) Ottawa, you need a a four-wheeler to get in. And then, um, yeah, property taxes are extremely low. Insurance is way cheaper. I don't know what they do out there, but it's, it's a lot less, like not even half price. Mm-hmm. Um, utilities like the water bills are very low. So, wow, seems like you found like a like a, a hidden gem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now I just said it on the podcast, but I hope <laughs> to see other investors down my street, and then you you know, like I own this, I own this one, you own that one, and it'd be nice like building a community around it. Absolutely, and then and I love that you have the abun- uh, abundance mindset versus scarcity because a lot of folks kind of want to hold these little secrets and they don't I want know. to get these nuggets, but you know what? We help each other out in this community. And that's what I love about the real estate uh, investment community. I, I, I started getting really into investing, especially in, I guess, 2020, you can really say. Okay. Uh, previously I was, you know, invested in pre-construction homes and stuff like that, but now I got more into the Burr method and so forth. So uh, yeah, it's incredible how welcome everybody is. And that's why I decided to start a podcast because I want to also give back, right? So whatever yeah. I've learned, whatever you've learned, we, I love to share that out and help as many people as possible. And helping feels good. <laughs> it, it does. It really does. And it, and it comes back to you. People hear you and people want to invest with you because they hear about your philosophy and how you're kind and you're helping others. And the, you just earn their trust that way as well. So it's, yeah just to be genuine and be yourself. And yeah, there's tons. I mean, how many, we're almost 38 million people in Canada. So mm-hmm. that's a lot of properties. It's not 38 million doors, obviously, but <laughs> I don't know, maybe 12 million, 14 million. I, I'm not sure, but it's a lot of properties and mm-hmm. investors were a very small segment where I think we're like 5% of the Canadian population. So there there's lots of room to grow. And the bigger companies, the bigger REITs and all that, they don't invest in, usually don't invest in like single homes or the smaller, like six and under, they're not too interested in that. So yeah, and you can look outside of your market and we're creating housing. Sometimes we're adding suites. So there's tons of options. Yeah, absolutely. We're we're training communities. We're helping people uh, have better lives. Um, and it's attracting other folks to move in. And, and you know what? That's going to attract businesses. So, yeah, it's just yeah. It's a domino effect. It really it is. is. And yeah. the tenants I do meet, like when it's not property management, I tell them too, if you want to learn how to buy properties, tell me and I'll show you. I'll be glad to help you buy and move out and buy your own place. So I, I always tell them. So far, no one's taken me on that, my offer, <laughs> but I guess... <laughs> They have to get there. It's it's a growth period, but maybe they watch me and they'll they'll be interested at some point. I was gonna say they need to listen to your podcast and watch you on YouTube to be like, oh my goodness, that's my landlord. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he wasn't bluffing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I I do want to help them out. I think yeah. it's it's great, and I think it's getting out of that mindset like of debt and yeah, investing in the wrong things and spending time on the stuff that doesn't help you. Yeah, absolutely. Run. Absolutely. Personal finances is, is basically what, what we're missing, basically, from our education perspective. Oh, man, yeah. Right? I mean, you, you you said it yourself, growing up in a family, and your know, parents knew what they're doing, but they, they never taught you that, unfortunately, nope. right? And it's good that you realize that, and now you're passing on to your, to your kids. And, yeah. you know, eventually, when I have family, that's that's going to be definitely the go-to, because it's it's as it's so weird. Like, I, I majored in business, and I had one entrepreneurship class. Wow. And the rest were all just general. And even that in that should class, be the focus. <laughs> right? Even with that, it was it was more like we never talked about how interest works, how mortgages work, how lending works, how you leverage money, right? Like Compounding these things are and, wow. right. Like it's it's crazy. I took accounting, I took uh, you know some uh, finance courses, but it was just more pertained to other sectors, but nothing in real estate where. The number one thing people Google on and on how to retire, the first thing that pops up is real estate. Yeah. So I'm shocked that it's really not talked about and it's not taught in school. 
Um, and again, there's other avenues too. Stocks is kind of like, I believe yeah. it became a little bit of a, you know, uh, uh, a mainstream thing to think about and in investing. But unfortunately, I don't have much knowledge about it. That could, that could potentially be my next avenue of learning. However, real estate, I find it's just that you have the, uh, the asset in front of you. You feel it. You see it. Yeah. So I it's love that. It's easier to understand. I mean, and most people end up buying a house in their lifetime. So they kind of see the steps. Of course, a larger multifamily, it's a bit more, a bit more involved. There's more steps, but it's still similar. You go to a lawyer, you have to finance it. You have to have an inspection. There's equipment. So yes. it's all the same. So it's just a larger scale. That's, that's really awesome. So, so these guys are essentially wholesalers. Yeah, usproperties.ca. So there yes. you go. We're not opposed <laughs> to mentioning them. They're amazing so far. I'm really, really excited about the partnership and uh, working with them. And I'm hoping to do maybe four this, this year. Mm -hmm. And then we'll see. We'll take it from there. I usually that's like to buy three properties per market minimum to make it worth my while. I mean, to to build the power team and all that. So yeah, I don't just buy one off ideally unless it's, it goes sideways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So again, like you said, the, the beauty of this is, is you're going through them and they're taking care of literally everything. You, you just put the money in and that's it. And you just refinance and you walk away. They're happy with their profits and you're happy with yours. Yeah. Cause obviously they make some money in this. Mm -hmm. I could buy houses for way cheaper in Detroit, but right. I'd have to find a team and, that's kind of the recipe of doing it remotely as you find trustworthy people. Yeah, maybe you'll pay a premium, but it allows you to invest in that market. So I don't mind. It's like paying interest on private money. I don't care about the interest rate. It could be much higher as long as the property I'm buying can support it and I'm still making money. I don't care how much it is. So. Absolutely, absolutely. You're just doing a calculated risk. You're trying to see, you know, what is my return on investment? Sure, these are yeah. these are business expenses, and you had to have it. to keep that in. exactly, exactly. Not and I think for that, buying a shirt or a, or a, a car, like I mentioned earlier, if you're buying, paying fourteen percent interest on a car, then yeah, that's a lot of money. <laughs> yes, one is depreciating, the other one is appreciating, which is the opposite yeah. effect. <laughs> well, that's it. That's what I tell my kids too. My daughter, she went. To Lululemon and bought this thing uh, like a sweater for $108. I'm like, this is crazy. It's not <laughs> going to appreciate the first time you wash it, it might be ruined. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it needs to be washed separately, by the way. <laughs> yeah, she. I do the laundry at home. So I tell her this is where it goes. And that's how it's done. And you hang it to dry at that price. I'm not putting it in the dryer. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then Francois, like I know we talked a lot about successes um, here and I'm so happy that you are progressing and you're making all these moves. Um, is, is there a story that you can share about our, some of the failures you faced? I mean, some of the challenges that you had getting into this? Yeah, so like failure, um, I'd say a big one, well, it feels sometimes like a failure is you're putting in offers and then you get outbid and outbid and outbid and, and just your strategy about winning a property. And sometimes you get it and you get it, but you overpaid. So <laughs> that can be a huge failure as well. So that uh, like sticking to your price point and your, your budget and your strategy is very important. Um, I actually never overpaid so far, thankfully, but I did miss out on some properties sometimes by like a thousand dollars. Oh. And I just felt I'm like, oh, just this is it. That's my cutoff point. But sometimes you have, it depends on the market. Like in the GTA, you have to be willing to pay more if the numbers work. Mm -hmm. um, but maybe look at what's your maximum that you can afford. And yeah, so that's been a, a bit of a failure. Sometimes I was too cheap. And then I found out how much the person that got the property actually paid. I'm like, $1,000, I would have made that in one month. So I, <laughs> couldn't care less so i make weird offers now like weird numbers like four hundred and thirty-one thousand, or i don't know a hundred and hundred and ninety-one thousand five hundred, just to try and get them so sometimes you just round up by a few hundred or a few thousand dollars and and you get the place so yeah no absolutely yeah as a seller they want the highest you know bidder essentially so that's just yeah. how it goes and uh, you're right. It could be a split of hundreds or thousands, basically, 
between you and the and the highest and also the conditions are very important yeah too, conditions right? so, as well yeah. yeah so as a realtor i know all this because you know you definitely have to have you want to clean especially the gta like it's expectations are essentially you want a clean offer it's oh like, yeah, yeah. Cash deal, much, like here's the it. yeah where do i send you my e-transfer basically <laughs> <laughs> so yeah yeah absolutely and i notice other markets and smaller markets are a little bit more a lenient so they are okay yeah. with you know uh, uh having clauses like inspection and financing and it's totally understandable um and, and some things are assumed it's funny i have a story where i was buying a, a property in niagara and uh, in gta it's pretty much assumed that if you don't put a financial clause in there is that you, you're going to basically have the money right the unclosing date yeah and so uh the agent called me back and says hey i um, just want to make sure they run this by you i noticed that you didn't put anything on the financing was that an oversight I paused for a second. I'm like, um, what? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. In the GTA, we don't do this. This is something you expect. There's no financing. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, yes. I mean, if you have the cash, that's fantastic. But don't you want to protect yourself? I'm like, I didn't even know there was an option in the you know Niagara region. So wow, it, you do learn quite a bit as you go from uh, you know uh, market to market. Things are a little bit different. <laughs> They are, yeah. Like in some markets, you can put in weeks for conditions, not just days or hours. Mm -hmm. It can be like weeks. Like I'm, I've even had a month and a half on a place and I just took my time. Or when you get into commercial, then you need much more time because the financing can be way, especially right now, it can be quite long. Yeah. Um, but yeah, conditions, yeah. Be careful that you, you have an exit strategy. Usually I, I plan three exit strategies Absolutely. for any deal. Absolutely. Yeah, you have to be able to pivot, right? So, like I was talking earlier about, you know, what's happening in the condo market yeah. downtown. It, you know, people that are just strictly relying on Airbnb and having really high revenue streams coming out of that are now pretty much in a, in a way where they're looking at it and they're like, "I'm losing money now. Like, I'm a negative yeah. cash flow because maintenances are going up, right? Taxes are going up, and on top of it, the rent market is going lower. So it's a really it bad is. place to be in at that point. Yes. Because no one wants to be in a building and then you have to share a hallway and wear a mask in the elevator and, and sanitize. Like we do this at the store. You don't need to do that when you're going in and out of your home. And yeah, yeah. it feels and, like wrong. And working from home, right? Like now we work yeah. more space because like, for example, my wife and I, we both have two des desks in here, right? Like you need your, your space so you can work comfortably. Um, so that's been a biggest driver. That's why a lot of folks are moving out of the city into yes. the suburbs. So to it's be able to afford. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, perfect. Now, so this gives me to the perfect segue here. Uh, so besides Rich Dad and Poor Dad, what are two books that you can recommend people interested in getting to real, real estate investing that, to read? So I've actually not read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I tried and I found it extremely boring. I'll be <laughs> very, I know people swear by it. They love it. My wife said yeah. it was amazing. I, I read a few pages and I couldn't, I gave up actually. I'm like, oh, I don't. I don't get this. So, and I know it's great, but anyway, yep. uh, two books. Uh, let me see. Unfortunately, I don't read much now. I do a lot of uh, like podcasts and stuff. So I have to, I'm not sure. No worries. <laughs> and what I do about read podcasts? in French. So a lot of books I read were in French actually. So okay, yeah, your audience, unless they speak French, I'm not too sure they, <laughs> they would get it. No uh, podcasts. So, I love the Right Club, obviously. Uh, Andrew Hines, great podcast. Sarah Larby, where should I invest? Um, yeah, and I do listen to French ones as well because in, in Quebec, the laws are very different, but mm -hmm. they do, they're not afraid of pushing boundaries out there. So <laughs> they do some wild stuff. So I love some of uh, the French podcasts. Um, I try not to listen, but I should start now to American ones because I found it didn't apply, but now... I'm investing in the U.S., so I guess I should be more in tune with what they're doing. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, the most, the biggest one I, that I got into the podcasting was Bigger Pockets. I'm sure you yeah. have heard and listened to it. So uh, definitely a great resource there as well. Um, and then, yeah, Francois, in terms of what is your favorite place to travel? I know you definitely are into traveling as well. What, what what's your ideal place? Where would you like to go? So actually, no, I'm not very well traveled. <laughs> really? I thought you were into yeah. islands and we're talking about that last time. No, <laughs> I, I want to go. I want to buy there. But no, I haven't. I haven't gone very much. So interesting. Okay. I would like at some point I'm kind of uh, 
yeah, I'd like to to have a place in different countries. So yeah, the islands for sure, maybe Europe. Uh, but I do enjoy like playing old Ottawa. <laughs> I'm very happy here. I go in my backyard. Like today, I put my snowshoes on and I went in the woods, and I was very happy. And that's that's it. I guess I'm a a simple guy. I'm not. Yeah, especially with all the COVID stuff, it's nice to stay home and and be uh, just safe. But yeah, I want to see different places in the future. Awesome. And then, so if there was one piece of advice you can give somebody starting in you know real estate investing, what would that be? Uh, take action. So stop analyzing and analysis paralysis. We only have one life to live. I don't know if I'm going to be here tomorrow and neither do you. So sorry, but so yeah, take action. Something I hear every day from successful people is, is they just take action. Of course, you need to do some educating, but sometimes it's good to do it without too much education and then kind of learn about it. Uh, I'm I'm bad like that when I buy furniture. I usually don't read the instructions and then surprise, there's a loose <laughs> screw. But I learn when it's time to assemble the second table or second shelving unit, then I know what to do. So it's the same for real estate. You kind of jump in, find the right people. Yes. It's kind of like the internet as well in this era of information. Mm-hmm. It's knowing who knows how to do it. Maybe not knowing it yourself sometimes, but knowing that you have people that know how to do it and be well surrounded. So yeah. Don't and the last question. Yeah. Last question was how has real estate changed your life? This one is an obvious one. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just, I think I found my passion. Like I mentioned, I, I did interior design. I did uh, landscaping for a few years, sustainable design sales, um, all kinds of fields. And it was never very fulfilling. I was always working on someone else's dream another business, uh, marketing, sales, like I said. Um, and now real estate, I'm working on my dream and my, my future and my business. And it's, it's hard in 2021 to find a product that's really easy to market, but real estate is easy to market. People need a place to live. And with the pandemic, it's still a hot and relevant place. People always said people need haircuts, but my wife started cutting my hair for a while. <laughs> So, I mean, even the hairdresser or the barber kind of were out of work, but people needed a place to live. So, and a passion as well, combining um, my passion to help people help others grow as well. So it's a, it's a good mix and the interior design background. So yeah, it's just putting everything together. I turned 40 last summer. So I guess it was like, uh, yeah, I'm 40 and this is it. And I get to retire at 40. My dad was 52, so I beat him by 12 years. So. Awesome. awesome. And I'm still working now on many projects. I find I'm working more than I, I was, but it's exciting. Yeah, and, and that's the difference. I mean, uh, I, I think the same way. I would love to retire. My, my goal is also, also 40. Um, it's out here now. <laughs> okay. But uh, you know what? It, it's just how it is. When I think about it, I'm like, I don't think I could go a day without not doing anything. I, I'm not mm. a couch potato. I, I, don't, I would just be so bored out of life, you know? So I think my retirement will I'd be ideally like kind of what you're into. It's like you leave the nine to five job, you have enough cash flow to, you know, help you build the business around what you're passionate about. And that's what yes. it is. If you look at the most successful people, what did they, what differentiates them between others is that they have a passion for that side of business, right? They, yeah. It doesn't feel like work. Like your real estate, no. it doesn't, it's not work for me. And I'm sure you feel the same way. You enjoy analyzing property. You enjoy speaking to other folks. You enjoy learning about different markets and different segments and different strategies. It's just so fascinating. It's, it feels like almost endless. <laughs> it, yeah, it really is. And it's, that's, that's why I'm talking about Europe and stuff. And my wife has a colleague who's got investments in France and then, we're like, well, maybe we should look into that at some point. So why not? And you get to travel that way. So that maybe will be how I get to travel at some point is looking at properties and, <laughs> and then traveling and enjoying wine, of course. So I travel through wine right now. That's, that's it. Yeah. And what's your favorite wine? This must be a hard question. Oh, yeah. It's hard. For sure, it's, <laughs> it's red, but I've discovered... Um, I don't know if you're a wine connoisseur, but Blanc de Noir, so it's a, it's a white wine made from a red grape. 
So anyway, I, I actually kind of enjoy those. I used to like white wine, then I hated it. I went to red. I right. love Italian wine. So Sangiovese or Montepulciano d'Abruzzo. Yeah, those are my, my favorite kind of go-to. But I, I like some Canadians like uh, Pinot Noir. It's quite nice from Ontario. Uh, Prince Edward County, there's some nice wines. And Niagara region, of course. Right. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely check out some of those recommendations. I, uh, I enjoy wine here and there, but definitely. I know you're, you're big in big into that so yeah we'll go with your recommendation <laughs> awesome awesome well thank you so much Francois. this has been amazing i really thank appreciate you. you joining us uh, tonight I, I know uh, listeners will get a ton of uh, great uh, nuggets out of this for sure uh Hopefully. so again, <laughs> yeah i appreciate you sharing you know uh you know some information and teaching us about the different markets that you're segmenting i uh i can't wait to see what you're going to do in detroit i'm very curious to learn more and uh yeah see where uh it will lead you. Hopefully you're going to be buying an island soon and I'll be uh, visiting you soon. <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. And Detroit, yeah, I'm going to get some nice before and after pictures because supposedly it's really run down, like scary, real Detroit style. And then after it's supposed to be beautiful. So I can't wait to share those pictures and see like a huge transformation. <laughs> awesome. And for folks that want to connect with you, Francois, where can they find you? So I'm very active on social media. You can find me on Instagram. So FL underscore homes underscore corp or uh, Francois Lantier on um, Facebook or LinkedIn as well on Twitter. So um, yeah, just reach out to me, send me a message and I, I'm glad to answer questions or I do get to speak to a lot of uh, upcoming and new investors. So I like helping and people and i've started coaching as well so i have a few select clients that need help and it's really a lot of fun to, to see them grow and learn things and yeah absolutely and i'll have all your uh you know information and in, in the show notes so any anybody interested in connecting francois please do reach out to him he's an amazing person and he's very helpful i know i have connected with him previously and we we, we were discussing cornwall if you recall uh, about six seven months ago yes. so <laughs> definitely a good way to segment and build your network right so the more people you know the more people you can connect to and learn about their strategies and uh you never know some some days you may be able to uh jv and go and partner up or get coached in this case so yeah. uh, a great way to uh build your portfolio and uh, uh build your network absolutely wonderful awesome. all right thanks a lot francois and for those folks uh, listening in, uh, thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you in the next one. Awesome. Thank you. Take care. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I hope you were able to get some great golden nuggets out of it. The kindest thing that you could do is share this podcast across all social media to help as many people as possible. If you like this podcast or have any questions, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram or YouTube. I'll post the links in the show notes below for those accounts so you can find me. I love bouncing ideas off people and I love talking real estate. Thanks and I'll see you in the next episode. Remember, financial freedom is just a few properties away. Oh, oh, oh.